Good morning. Thank you for that, guys. I hope you've had a week walking with Jesus. I need to make an apology. A couple of weeks ago, I, I spoke here on Christ-centeredness. What I failed to do was to tell you that Donnie and I are starting a new series based on the values of Kuala Life. So I'm telling you now, Donnie and I, two weeks ago, started a new series <laughs> on the values at Kuala Life. And these are the values that, that we came up with. We had meetings here and we, we, we nutted out. I remember it was an amazing time. We sat around in groups talking about what do we value at Kuan Life. So this wasn't Donnie and I going, I think we value this, I think we value this. <laughs> this, this came from all of us talking together. And I, I found it an amazing experience to be a part of a church that would do that, <laughs> to, to let go of control and say, what, what do we value? Um, so we looked at Christ-centeredness two weeks ago, which is we are dedicated to following Jesus, being transformed into his likeness, glorifying God through worship and being faithful in prayer. And today I'm continuing on an area that I'm, I'm quite passionate about, so I'm happy that this church values this, discipleship. We are committed to being lifelong learners of Jesus Christ through studying scripture preaching and teaching the Bible, and exercising our spiritual gifts. But this is the thing. <laughs> preaching on discipleship is a strange concept to me. Um, because I think we've all heard it before. We've heard sermons on it, and yet we struggle to do it. Preaching about discipleship doesn't produce disciples. And I don't know what to do about that because my sermon this morning is on discipleship. <laughs> so I want to ask you a question. I do want answers. I'm going to send around the microphone soon. What is one thing that I can do to help you get involved in this discipleship thing? What is one thing that I can do to help you get involved in this discipleship thing? Because last week, John claude I just... He said something that I have not been able to get out of my mind. What, what was the sentence you think that hit me hard last week? That one? Oh, yes, if you, if you make disciples, you get the church. If you make a church, it's really hard to get disciples. Oh, man, that's an awesome way of putting that. <laughs> the last time I spoke, I showed you two different models of creating a church environment, and I think... Jean-Claude summarises it so well. We've got a church here. What does it say about us when we've got a church? Jean-Claude even hit harder at the end of his, his talk. He said there's no shortcuts. There are hurdles. It's hard and he highlighted some of those. It takes time and there are no shortcuts. A little while ago, I pointed out that Christianity in, in its infancy was called the way. And it was called the way because it was a different way of living. And people that weren't a part of the way could see that it was a different way of living. It became inconvenient to, to the religious leaders and the governing leaders of the day. The only method of teaching a new way of living 
is by doing it together. And I feel really awkward telling you this from the front because I'm not doing it with you. (laughs) I'm telling you about it. Discipleship is the way of Christ. Jesus spoke to crowds. But he spent time with a few. And it was these few that he taught intimately. And he charged them with the task of taking a few and teaching them intimately. Discipleship is like coffee. Let me take a a leaf out of Jesus' book. He told stories and analogies. Discipleship is like coffee. Sure, you can buy the mass-produced stuff off the shelf at the supermarket, but it's not the same thing of going around the corner here to Kai Coffee. (laughs) They're two different things. The mass-produced and the, the small roaster. Because some things take time and attention and can't be mass-produced. Disciples can't be mass-produced. Yet this is exactly what we, and I say we, I've been involved in this for many years in the church, have been doing for decades. We spend so much of our time doing everything else. We worry about the style of song we sing on a Sunday morning, the length of the sermon, whether there's a ministry designed specifically for me at this church. What's in it for me at this church? We now have an overabundance of Christian books, videos, CDs, podcasts and programs. And yet we're seeing numbers of people identifying as Christian decrease. We have more of that stuff than from Jesus through to now. (laughs) Thousands of years. And we are seeing less people identify as Christian now. But we know this, don't we? And we're living in a time of cultural shift. Some people are worried about the fact we had the census come out and say that we've got less people identifying as Christian. Maybe we need to be worried. Or maybe we take this as a sign that we need to change tools. We've been using the wrong tools. I think that this time of change can be a good thing. People aren't looking for the mass thing anymore. Alison said to me in the car just yesterday, the, the, the big event things, people are not looking for that anymore. They're looking for the relationship that's missing from all of those things. The, the relationships that we long for aren't being involved in a massive crowd. It's knowing <laughs> the one another's. It's that when I need somebody, I can call these people because I know they're going to be an ear to listen to and there for me. I don't need to go to another concert. Recently I've been introduced to the idea of God's will and his kingdom being like a flowing river. And I loved it. (laughs) I think this is fantastic. Aaron Nequist, I don't know if I said his name properly, but he put it this way. The eternal current will carry us into the joy of getting swept up in God's work of redeeming and restoring all things. That sounds exciting to me. (laughs) But I think in church land, we have tried to tame this eternal current. 
and turn it into a lake, nice little safe lake that we can step into a little bit and then step back out again. Because flowing rivers can be dangerous and we like to control things. We find comfort in the shallow bit. Yep, this is all right, this is all nice, but I can get up and walk out when I want. But Jesus is calling us to leave that riverbank and trust him. In Matthew 11, 28 to 30, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's an invitation to participate, not to watch. You, you can't take a yoke upon yourself. You can't take Jesus' yoke on you and, and not do. It's a doing thing. Come to me. Learn from me. The weird thing is, the contrast, it's in surrendering ourselves that we find rest. <laughs> it's in surrendering ourselves that we find rest. Sometimes I hear people say, God's doing a new thing. And I think, maybe. But sometimes I think this new thing is breaking away those crusty old controls that we've tried to put on the eternal current. We've tried to, to place these controls on, on God's kingdom and his will. And God has a really nice way, I don't know, maybe not a nice way, God has a way of breaking away from those controls. And, and his eternal current will flow again. Like Mr. Beaver said to Susan in The Lion, the Witch in the Wardrobe, she says, is Aslan safe? And Mr. Beaver says, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. He's the king. I love that picture of Jesus because we can't control him. He's not safe for our nice little bubble we like to put around ourselves. He's actually very unsafe for that sort of thing. We want to be, we want to be in control. Jesus is not the person to walk with. Flowing rivers are not safe. Jesus is not safe. And we are invited into an eternal current where we will be knocked around will be out of our depth but this is the way but we become we like to be comfortable we like to know what to expect each week i love the fact that richie didn't do that this morning i love the fact you made us repeat things you broke out the broke out of the mold that was awesome and that's what i love here there are small things already happening cracks are showing in the status quo cracks happened this morning in the status quo and I want to encourage those cracks more. We just need to look at the, the tools we're using. At, at Scripture Union recently, I, um, I heard this man talking about changing tools. And I, I found it really useful because he was talking about specific behavior change. And that's another thing for another day. But when this guy, Matt Bolton, was younger, he, he had his bike 
as most young teenage boys and girls do. They have their bike, and he liked to maintain his bike so that he didn't have to spend the money at the bike shop. So he had a shifter. The shifting spanner could change size. Fantastic. I need to tighten this little bolt here, and the shifter works. I need to tighten the bigger one, and I loosen it, and I can tighten the bigger one. And he was doing fine doing this. And then a, a kid who was more um, experienced in looking after bikes said, when, when you've been using that shifter, have you found it slips off the, <laughs> the nut and you hit yourself in the head? And Matt goes, sometimes, yeah. And so then have you found that that shifter sometimes rounds the ends off the nuts? <laughs> so you, <laughs> it's too loose and you've tried to, to loosen this nut and you've just rounded the end off the nut. And he's gone, yeah, sometimes. And so he said, take this, um, take this set of spanners. And he gave him a whole set of spanners, all different sizes, so each spanner was a different size. And he said, take these and, and try for the next couple of weeks these and see how you go. And so he did. And he didn't hit himself in the head <laughs> as he was tightening and loosening the nuts. And he found there was far less incidents of, of rounding off the edges. He never went back to using his shifter because the shifter wasn't doing the job very well. He went and purchased his own set of spanners. We use the tools we have, don't we? Whatever tools we have, we use. And sometimes they can do the job, sort of. We can make them do the job. But sometimes we, need, we don't use the tool because we don't know it exists. So if someone gives us the new tool, hopefully, if it's a good tool, we will never be tempted to go back to using the old tools that didn't work very well. I think in the church with discipleship, we've been using the shifting spanner. And I think that we've been causing damage to ourselves and the church. We need to change tools. Because when you have a church, it's hard to get disciples. Does anyone have an answer to that question that I asked before? What's one thing that I can do for you so you can be involved in this discipleship thing? I want you to keep thinking about it. I know I've broken the mold again. I've asked you a question and everyone's kind of going, hang on. <laughs> why, why are you looking at me to answer a question? I want you to think about that question because if we're going to do it here at Kauana Life, that's part of my job. It's a part of my job I love. What is it that you need? How can I help you do it? Because it's, it's, things are happening. Cracks are showing. So now's the time for, for us to get together and, and to, to do this. I want to show you a tool that I use, or a couple of tools that I use. And it was created by Dawson Trotman, who is the founder of Navigators. It's kind of like every other tool out there, but I've, I have not gone back from this tool since I started using it. It's called um, the wheel diagram. And is it up there? Yep, there we go, look at that. The obedient Christian life in action. And you notice already that it's implying action. It's a wheel. Um, you might have seen the, the three-legged stool analogy for 
um, Christianity and discipleship and all those. Um, there's so many of them, but three-legged stool. Dawson didn't like that analogy because it left the Christian sitting down. <laughs> no, you've got to be in action. That's where the rubber hits the road. The hub, the centre of the wheel is Christ. Christ the centre. Which works well with what I spoke about last time. And all of the spokes in between the rim and Christ support the Christian life in action. So the horizontal spokes represent our relationship horizontally. So fellowship. When we meet together like this, in smaller groups or discipleship groups, prayer triplets, and witnessing, being insiders. We are already inside communities. We're insiders. We don't have to come from the outside. (laughs) We are inside. Reaching the world through who we are and where we are. The vertical spokes represent our relationship with God. His word, where he communicates with us and prayer our talking with him so I don't know how much more to explain this the word <laughs> if we want to hear God speak then he's given us a fantastic tool to read to study to learn what does it say at the beginning here We are committed to being lifelong learners of Jesus Christ through studying scripture. So, are you reading the Bible with somebody else? Maybe that's a starting point. Getting together with one person and reading the Bible with them. Sorry? Somebody said something? No? Good. And, and maybe you start doing a quiet time with somebody and teaching how to do a quiet time. I think we need to teach our young people and some of the older people about this thing called a quiet time. There's lots of names for them, but it's time where you spend time reading the Bible, praying with God, and just being still, not rushing to the next thing. I like a really simple one. Is this up there? There we go. I like tools that I don't have to have a book or anything with me so I can remember it. So the wheel diagram, I can draw. This way of doing a a quiet time is really easy. It's the five vows. You read a chapter or two or three and you find that chapter or that verse that stands out to you. Today, for whatever reason it is, a verse stands out to you. And you ask, you don't have to do all five, just whatever comes your way, how much time do you have. You ask questions. Sometimes... Our Bible study has this. You read a passage and you go, what? Or maybe you have to go, who was that? Why are we talking about this? Where did this happen in the Bible? You ask questions. You emphasize. Sometimes a word is repeated in the passage you're using. So if it's repeated, it's repeated for a reason. So get your highlighter out and highlight that word and see how many times it's repeated in the passage. Write it in your own words. Find out where it's referenced elsewhere in the Bible, other references. And then you, (laughs) this one's a bit dodgy, but you apply it. (laughs) So it still works. 
the prayer spoke. Um, it's just talking to God. Again, I don't want to say this is how you must talk to God. Some people like to go into great lengths and pray and they, they spend hours in prayer. I love those people. <laughs> but I, my, I don't work that way. But the main thing is to do it. Some, some people, they just take moments of the day and something reminds them to pray. Sitting in traffic, in a waiting room at the hospital. I also like the really short prayers where you see an ambulance go past and you pray for the, the ambulance has gone past. Someone needs prayer. I like the really simple... Again, I'm simple. <laughs> I'm a very simple person. Thank you, sorry, please. Teaspoon prayer. So if you're going to pray a longer... If you're going to sit down and pray a longer prayer, have a time of thank you. Then you have the the recognition of who you are against God. So you thank God for being who he is and what he's done. Sorry for the things I've done wrong and recognize who you are before God. After that, you may have some pleases. Please can I have? Please can you do this? But if you've done those other two, you find that you're asking God less about things for yourself and more about things for other people. Some general guidelines I have is to realise prayer is it's a, it's a privilege. It's an amazing thing we can do. And to remember who we're talking to. Um, the creator of the universe. He's all-powerful. There's a level of respect um, in that. That yes, he's done everything he can to come to us. But he's the almighty creator of the universe. So when we pray, to remember that. Witnessing is the... There we, there we are. It's just as important as the other spokes on this wheel. Like the eunuch asked Philip, how, how can I understand unless someone is there to guide me? You are in communities that I am not. You are already reaching people that I am not reaching. Some of you are in places where I cannot reach the people that you are reaching. An obedient Christian shares the good news with others in such a way that they, they share the good news with others. My favourite phrase out of this book, Down to Earth Discipling, it's another, this is where these tools come from, is gossiping the gospel. You talk about it because it's important to you. I talk about saxophones and music and um, all sorts of things because they're important to me. I also talk about Jesus because he's important to me. And it's a natural thing because he's actually important to me. I've only just thought of it now, but it has framed my Christian walk. The cornerstone uh, mantra was to make your spiritual life natural and your natural life spiritual. And I like that because we don't want to be so spiritual that everyone's going, that guy's a bit weird. But we want our natural life to, to line up with our spiritual life <laughs> And them to be the one thing. I love it anyway. Sorry, that was not on my notes. <laughs> okay. Fellowship. I think, who did I talk to? He's not here. It was Vic. Um, I had a meeting with someone the other day, and, and this was one thing that's strong on his heart. You can't, meet, you, meeting with other Christians is vital. You can't do this Christianity thing alone. You need, you need to, to be in, in meetings. Like a gathering like this, 
Vic and I met one-to-one. Um, small, small groups, Bible studies. You can't do this thing alone. But it's not to shelter from the world, but it's to refuel and refresh so that when, when you go out, you feel equipped to share the good news. And this is another thing that the NAVs are big on, is being insiders, working from inside the social structures you are already a part of. And like a bike wheel, all of the spokes need to have equal tension. So if you're noticing your spiritual walk is feeling a bit funny, it's not quite there, you go around the spokes and you go, which one? What, what, if I, what am I leaving out? Do you know which one it's probably going to be? Witnessing. That's one that usually... You know the other one is? The simple one of Bible reading. The Word. I don't know why, but when my life gets really busy, one of the first things I drop is reading the Bible. What a horrible thing. That should not be. But when a wheel is working as it should, you don't see the spokes. <laughs> They're a blur. You don't even really see what the, the outside is. The only thing that stays visible and clear is the hub. Christ becomes the focus. So what we can see clearly from the spokes working as they should is Christ. What we see clearly from the Christian life in action, working as it's designed to, is Christ. Christ the centre. Now as as the guys come up, I want to leave you with two quotes. There's no manual for making disciples. There's no one way to do it. There's no one size fits all. But we're called to be ourselves in places that God has put us. Gossiping the gospel wherever we go. But with the right tool, it can become a lot easier. Last week, Jean-Claude gave us this challenge. We sometimes try to be concerned for the millions without Christ, but only God can carry the burden of the world. He asks us simply to start with one lost person we come across. Being a disciple maker is not an optional extra. It's part of the way of Christ. And I see a lot of positive things going on in Quine life. And Donnie mentioned so many of them earlier. We go across the way. We go into the mental health ward. We are um, eye teachers. We support chaplains. We support Donnie going into the football where he's had so many discussions this week already. We're, we're not focused in here. There's, there's breaking out of that. And it's our role to continue that work of breaking out of this mould of trying to control the, the eternal current. And I want to continue, I want to encourage you to continue doing these things. And if you can, do more of it. And I hope you can take this tool away and I hope it helps some of you. If you need more help, come and see me. If you don't know where to get started, come and see me. And I want to leave you with this quote from Dawson Trotman. Where's your man or woman? Where's that one person you are pouring out your life to help them walk with Christ?